It's episode 14, everybody. Hi. How's it going? Happy Wednesday. What's new? Talk to me. Let's, what's going on in the world of you guys? I'm so interested. I hope you all just like start DMing me how your day's going, what's going on, the latest trends, the latest news, what what's going on with the media. I'm just – I'm ready for it. Send it all to me. I want to get to know you guys. I want to get to know what you guys are thinking about this podcast, if there's anything that I should change, if there's – any you know comments, questions, concerns? I really want to know. So if you're out there, you're listening. Please just drop me a line. I mean, I feel like my cell phone's all over the place. So give me a call. Send me slide into my DM. It's totally cool. I love when that happens. Just I want to hear. I want to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on this. I want. I want to hear what's going on with you. I want to know who's out there listening right now. So I I want to say I'm so excited about our next guest, but I feel like I say that all the time. So let me let me start here. This our next guest is a fellow San Diegan. She is absolutely killing it in the PR industry. She's somebody that actually started her own agency out of San Diego and it's grown to now San Francisco and New York. Her name is Sarah Brooks and she's the founder of Covet PR. Now for those of you that don't know, Covet PR is an agency that specializes in CPG brands in the food, beverage, and beauty space. Now, what that means is that they really focus on this wellness lifestyle aspect in products. Um, Sarah really dives into it, and her story is not only amazing, but the reason why she really niched down this agency to only work with these specific brands is because she talks about working with brands that have a kind of like a face to the founder or founder story. And it's really interesting because the reason why we wanted to bring her on is that this is kind of like a new trend right now for agencies to really niche down and figure out, you know, what what is their specific client demographic. And um, she puts it into this beautiful way of that she really wanted to work with wellness brands that had a story and with founders that were doing something bigger than themselves. So I'm excited to have her kind of talk about it. She also has a freaking adorable, cute little daughter, and she's just killing it. They Covet is something that we look to as an agency that is just really setting a tone and setting a very, very specific tone for the San Diego community as well as the other communities that they have their other firms in. So Sarah, I'm so excited to have you on. Let's just dive right into your story. Just start telling me about your story. Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement. And we are about to get under the influence. So I uh, grew up, I actually always wanted to be a talk show host. And so that was kind of my dream. And so when I was at college, University of San Diego, I did our campus news. I 
intern at a regional magazine. Um, I kind of try to get my hands on any sort of form of media um, that I could. And after I graduated, I moved to LA um, where I worked at MTV and casting for shows like Pit My Ride and Room Raiders. Um, and then I worked at E! where I was in the development department. Um, and back then that was kind of right when reality TV was starting. And so it wasn't like today where you turn on, you know, the, sh the, the TV and every other show is reality TV. This was kind of like back in the days of pre-Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like right when the Anna Nicole Smith show was coming out. And I had a really cool job where I was basically the first line of defense and reading new pitches from different people wanting TV shows. And so it got me exposed to just a huge walk of life and writing and creativity um, and behind the camera. Um, celebrity was kind of part of that as well. And it was through that that I realized I loved working with people. I loved the ability to tell people stories, but I didn't think that I wanted to do celebrity full time. Um, it was just a pretty kind of vapid world and I, and I wanted to do something else. So I moved to New York City. I actually at that time was writing a book, a, a never to be published book, which is probably a good thing, but on dating. Um, I was like a serial dater. I probably also because I just loved meeting people and hearing their lives and, and learning about them. And so I had this idea that I was going to move to New York City. I was going to publish a book. I was going to get a talk show and I was going to be like a talk show host for, gosh, at this time they didn't have, at this time they didn't have millennials, but younger people. And I went to New York. This was, gosh, 2006, I want to say, or 2007. Um, I knew one person. I had all my savings and no job lined up, and I got a harsh dose of reality um, quickly after I got there, and I realized that it's a, it's a very big city. I was a very small fish in a big pond, and I had interviewed then at Condé Nast and at different magazines. I had met with some different publishers of potentially getting my book published, and it was just truthfully, it was like dead end after dead end. And it was a fateful uh, day at the gym where I ran into a girl I went to college with and she had just gotten poached um, to join a PR firm, but she was happy where she was. So she said, hey, would you ever want to think about PR? And kind of a light bulb went off at that point where it was everything I loved, um, but in a new way. And so I interviewed for this job at a uh, fashion beauty PR agency, got the job and uh, been in PR ever since. And that's really how I kind of fell in love with public relations. Wow. I love that. I love that you literally kind of just went out to New York and you're like, we're doing this. I feel like that's such a move and it's <laughs> kind of like so fateful that it kind of happened. So what led you back to San Diego and back to starting Covet? Yeah. So I was in New York for many years and I loved it. I mean, it's definitely a place where it gives you a lot of street cred. You're in the media capital of the world. So I really took advantage of that, you know, meeting editors all the time. And this is when the term blogger was starting to explode. And so I really just try to saturate myself with everything and anything media. Um, but I had this itching to get back to the West Coast. I'm, I'm from Arizona, um, spent a lot of time in California. So I decided to move back West, um, still wanted to stay in PR, and I got a job at a really great, um, more of a hospitality-focused PR firm. And my love was really more in product. When I was in New York, I worked in the beauty division, giant brands like Tresme and Kerastase, the smaller prestige brands to mastige brands. And I, I fell in love with product PR because I thought, gosh, what a great challenge. There's a zillion products out there. And how do you get a product to stand out? Why, why would someone buy this product over another product? And I, and I love a challenge. 
change. And so when I moved back West, um, there weren't any firms in San Diego that focused on products. It was either travel or, or restaurants. And so um, I worked at a hospitality firm um, and I had an, you know, amazing colleagues, amazing clients, but my heart was really more in, in, in products. And at this time, um, this was, uh, you know, almost, gosh, seven, eight years ago, there was really this emerging kind of boom of wellness. And so right now, obviously, we know wellness brands are everywhere. But at this time, it was more of kind of a taboo word. And there was people that were, you know, shopping at Whole Foods and kind of into what was on the back of a bottle and reading labels. But there really wasn't this huge boom that we see now. And so I had the opportunity to launch a product. We know it now is Suja Juice, which is a cold-pressed juice brand that has, you know, exploded over the last oh, few my years. My favorite, my <laughs> absolute favorite. The best, the absolute best. And know, at this time, you know, everyone now knows what green juice is and people know what, you know, cold-pressed and HPP and raw. But back then, no one really did. And so by working with Suja, it kind of gave me, you know, like an MBA in how to launch a beverage brand and how to, how to take a brand that may just be a juice, but how to make a lifestyle brand. And so I had the opportunity to work with them and it was through my work with Suja and, you know, through falling in love with this space even more that I thought, okay, I think there's an opportunity here. There's no firm, certainly in San Diego, that specializes in better for you brands in the health and wellness space. And there are brands that, you know, there are firms that did brands, but they weren't very niche. And so it was like, okay, if you have a product, whether it's an app or whether it's this or that, we'll work with you. But I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be great to have an agency that is so focused on wellness. And so that's really what I, what was the impetus for starting out Covet. I had no idea what I was doing. I do not come from a business family. I, I thought I did not have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go out. I'm going to maybe have like an intern. I'm going to work on a few clients. And if it doesn't work, I can always go back to an agency. Um, and it kind of just worked. And that was in the fall of 2014. Um, and one client became two and two became four and four became eight. And, you know, to this day where, um, we just turned four in October, I would say about 90% of our business is um, from, from media or from happy clients. So we don't actually do a very good job PRing covet. Uh, but I think that's a testament to the space we're in. And I think, you know, for people listening, one thing that I think has been really helpful for Covet and for myself is that we're super, super niche. Um, and I think that's kind of the age of what people are looking for when it comes to PR and marketing. People want specialists, people want experts. And I think, you know, years ago, the, the idea was you do everything. And I think people are starting to see that if you do everything, you maybe do everything like so-so versus doing one or two things really great. And that's, you know, a big part of, I think, why Covet has grown so quickly. That's so amazing. So how, what do you feel like is like one of the biggest challenges of being such a niche agency? You know, everyone, there is that kind of like philosophy where everyone's like, we'll just do it all. But I mean, I feel like we even see that in Echo's marketing where we're like, no, like our bread and butter is still social media. That's still like what we do best. And I, I feel like that's I mean, even like kind of having to maybe turn down clients that maybe aren't within your niche. Like what is the biggest totally. challenges that that proposes? Um, sure. So I think the hardest thing about being so niche is that I have had to say no to a lot, whether it's a household name that has an insane budget, but doesn't really fit within our portfolio. Um, whether it's a client we have now that loves us and says, you know, you do great PR. Can you just do social media for us? I, it's been tempting to say, okay, let me just go hire someone who's good at social media. But I think that's where a lot of companies fail 
is that they try to be everything to everyone. And so while we have stayed true to our focus, we have expanded um, into different verticals within the wellness industry. So for instance, when Covet started, we were really just food, beverage, beauty. Um, and now beauty has become a little bit more of kind of a, a catch-all for wellness. So whether it's um, CBD products or whether it's um, feminine care brands or, you know, something that still is that better for you health and wellness edge, but may not be so specific to food, beverage, or something you may buy at Sephora. So for me, it's been expanding into uh, verticals that make sense, but not expanding into new genres. Um, because I think you're only as good as your weakest link. And, and I'm big on quality control at Covet. And so I want to make sure that everything we do, we do really, really well. And so that's, I think, a big part of why we've stayed so true to this very specific core focus. I love that. I love that you, like, you're talking about the quality control of it because I feel like, it, like you said, even though you're expanding in these different verticals and you might be digging a little bit deeper in these new areas, you know, you're still staying true to that focus and really yeah. giving them, you know, these businesses, these, this is amazing, amazing experience and, you know, all out PR full service yeah. agency. And I think that's amazing. So what is like the passion behind the drive? I know you mentioned that you loved working with the products and, clearly working with, you know, like these wellness brands, mm -hmm. but what drives you? What's that passion that keeps you, you know, wanting to keep Covet thriving? Gosh, so many things drive me. I mean, I think first and foremost, um, I love the discovery of new brands and I love helping other people discover new brands. Um, and at Covet, we have, you know, in addition to needing to fit into kind of this better for you CPG theme, um, we focus on brands that have a really strong founder story. So we don't work with faceless or nameless brands. So you know, what drives me is when I get a call from a founder who this may have started as her side hustle, or she may have always been told no, but had this itch in the back of her head that she really wanted to start something to solve a problem. And I'm the person chosen to work with this brand, you know, to help get this, this brand or this product on the radar. It, it's, you know, it's, I guess in some way it's selfish because being able to help fulfill someone else's dream is an amazing feeling. And so I think in part it's, it's that and knowing that we only work with, with healthy brands and that we're helping to make the world a better place that it can seem kind of cheesy, but you know, for instance, Beyond Meat is one of our clients and they're the leader in the plant-based protein space. And, you know, beyond it just being a delicious product, uh, they are really trying to, to make a difference in this world and make a difference in the environment and make a difference in legislature. So even though it may seem like a product you buy at Whole Foods, there's always deeper stories behind it and being able to, you know, be that agency and have it team that's able to tell that story is such an honor and something that I really try never to take for granted. Um, and secondly, I think, you know, the biggest driver, probably bigger than even that is I'm, I'm a newish mom. And so I have a daughter and she's one. Um, and there's a whole new sense of responsibility that comes with parenting and wanting to leave this world a better place than I found it. And being able to work with brands that, you know, put healthy food in kids' lunch boxes or help with hydration around the world or, you know, reduce toxicity in our beauty brands. I mean, that's something that I can be proud to tell my daughter I do and hopefully make it a healthier, happier world for her generation and the next. I love that. I love that your daughter really inspires that and kind of drives that. I mean, I think that's so amazing. And even what you were saying a little bit about 
how you guys love the strong founder story and that you want to work with brands that have a face. Can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Because I feel like when, when we say like, you know, like a faceless brand, not everyone might not, might not know what that means. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's brands that have started because a bunch of rich white men got together and said, there's an opportunity in this space. Let's go raise $200 million. And then, you know, a year later, a brand pops up at, at, at Whole Foods. And then there's brands that start because someone had a health issue or because someone knew there was a better way of doing something. And so those are the brands that we focus on at Covet. If you look at our roster, you know, from beauty brands like Copari and Fink Brody to food brands like Bonza um, and Cauliflower to beverage brands um, like Koya, all of these brands did not start just because someone had money and was bored. They started because these founders um, had an itch that they wanted to do something and that there was a better way of doing that. And so, you know, help be the mouthpiece of that and help, you know, when, when people come, they, they may be really, really good at innovation or really, really good at R&D, but they have no idea how to take this brand and take this product and connect it to consumers. And so that's what Covet does. We're really the matchmaker between a brand and the media. So when I meet with a founder and I see them light up when they talk about their product and when I hear them, you know, say how they left their job in corporate America, you know, and bootstrap something, I, it is a personal, you know, drive of mine at that moment to say, okay, I'm going to help you make this a success and make this a reality. And that's something that is completely humbling um, and something that we got to do every single day, which is so incredible. I love that. I think that's so amazing that you guys have not only the depth, I feel like of, you know, kind of unlike any other PR, like niche down company, but the fact that you really kind of go after those stories and that you really want to kind of spotlight their stories and the reasoning for the business and the kind of underlying really awesome moral focus that they have. I think that's so amazing. And I think that- hundred percent this world, I feel like it needs that. I feel like companies like that need to have a strong platform and need to have the spotlight on them and to be able to share those stories for why they created that product. I think that's just such a beautiful thing. Uh, well, you know, I think, thank you. And I think now, you know, when I started Covet, you know, a little over four years ago, it was still pretty hard to launch a product. You would have to really know, you know, someone innovation. You'd have to know how to source something. You'd have to know the right buyer at retail. You'd have to know how to do supply chains. Like it was a much harder process to launch a product. And now with the explosion of direct to consumer brands and, and crowdfunding and, and, you know, malls dying. I mean, there's just a huge shift in how people are finding, discovering, and building brands. And so to me, that makes my job harder because it's so much more of a crowded space. And so one of the ways that I think Covet is able to help make these brands successful is exactly that, to tell the why behind a brand. And I think at the end of the day, you know, consumers purchase things. They want it to taste good. They want it to feel good. They want it to work. But they also, I think, want to know that they're they're helping to make a difference or there's a why behind it. And so when you get those founder stories out, I think that's really what helps set a brand apart. I think that's amazing. And I couldn't agree more. So when we kind of decided to start under the influence podcast, we really wanted to tap into kind of this aspect of social good. And it's something that we're even seeing with our sister company, the influence movement is that we really want to start talking about 
you know, being this positive influence, whether you're a brand or a business or an influencer or celebrity. So I wanted to ask you, especially since you work with these amazing brands that have, you know, these amazing stories that are doing good in the world, how do you feel like, you know, businesses could be a better influence upon their local communities or just upon their communities in general? Yeah, I mean, I think something that I find really um, invigorating, and I think it's something that a lot of the brands we work with do really well, is they make it a two-way street between their consumers and what they're doing. I think, you know, historically speaking, in the old days, a brand would launch something, they would kind of say, this is the way to do it, this is why we're doing it, and they've been maybe in a bubble where they're not really talking to consumers, and they're not really knowing what middle America wants, and they think they know, but they haven't done really any A-B testing, and they have all this money, they launch it, and then they just hope it's successful. But I think in this day and age, there's much more of a two-way conversation behind, you know, the founders and, and the consumers that they're trying to sell the product to. So whether it's, you know, direct response on Facebook or Instagram, or whether it's, um, you know, a website that actually has great blog content where, where the founders read the responses, or whether it's a brand that says, hey, we're going to launch new flavors. We want to go to our community and say, and, and see what you guys want. I think that makes it such a more powerful message and a more powerful powerful movement versus just people saying, hey, we're launching this, we hope it works. And so from a local level, um, it's everything from like getting out and about and doing, you know, field marketing at your local sprouts or going to your farmer's market and getting, you know, real life feedback to a macro level. I think it's just getting out with consumers and doing, you know, nationwide demos and um, getting them involved in conversations and, and, and whether it's, you know, having them take over an Instagram for a day and the, you know, so a brand can say, Hey, you know, we're going to turn our feed over to someone who uses our product. It's just, I think it's a really exciting time for brands because I think brands that do it well are the brands that want the good, bad, and the ugly, and they don't just want, you know, yes, woman. And so something that I love that I'm seeing is just that two-way feedback. And I think the brands that do it well are the brands that are really going to have a legacy. Absolutely. And I love that you put, you put it so eloquently with like a two-way street and having an actual conversation with the consumers. And you even kind of tapped into social media a little bit. So where do you kind of see the social media movement going? I mean, you not only do traditional PR, but you, I mean, you also do a little bit of social media PR, correct? Yeah, so I think for social media, I mean, it's definitely a whole other beast. Um, Covet is first and foremost a traditional media firm, meaning we work on earned PR. But in, in this day and age, as we enter 2019, if you're a PR firm and your job is brand awareness and you're not doing things with influencers or you're not educated in that space, you're antiquated and you know you you innovate or die in this world. And so we do a ton with influencers, whether it's influencer campaigns or influencer seating or finding the right influencers to represent present our brands. Um, that's something that is, is continuing to evolve with COVID. And as I look to the future, I think that's going to be something that is going to only continue to be more in demand and um, infiltrate our business model more. And, and I think this world of influencers, I mean, if, <laughs> if you would have asked me five years ago what I think, I, I, I would have said, oh, it's a bubble and it's going to burst and this can't you know, keep going on. I, I'll never forget you know, my, one of the first emails I got about the word influencer. And at this time, they were called blog 
bloggers. It was when I was in New York and it was a blogger I would send products to all the time and she would do blog posts and she wrote me back and CC'd her agent and said, you know, my agent can send you my media kit. And I remember laughing and thinking, this is crazy. And now, you know, they're having the last laugh. These people are oftentimes much more effective than traditional advertising. And so I think to have a PR firm that continues to grow and thrive, you have to embrace this. And I think um, it's something at Covet I'm really proud of how we're doing. It's something that's part of every strategy. Um, some clients prefer to keep it in-house um, to just have a, a, an authentic connection with other clients we handle it all. And I think it's just something that's going to continue to grow and something that you have to continually educate yourself on. It is a, it's a wild west still a little bit. So I think as Covet looks to 2019 and beyond, um, you can definitely expect a lot more work in the influencer space. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's funny now. We work closely with influencers too. And some of them, it is totally like the Wild West. Like there's still this no rhyme or reason for different things. But now, I mean, we're hopefully starting to kind of systemize, you know, your media kit, your traction, vetting people, vetting their demographics, vetting what they're doing and their interest levels and what their audience is doing. But yeah, before, I mean, we, I, there's some influencers out there that could charge 15,000 per post. You know, there's other influencers that are doing it for in-kind donation. It really is just all across the board. So I, I think you're so right when you're like, they are having the last laugh because it is starting to systemize. We are starting to kind of figure it out and look at them in almost a new future way of kind of, you know, being these opinion leaders in the digital space. Totally. And I mean, I, I, I don't want to say fall for it because it's real, but I mean, I, I get it. You know, I scroll through my feed and if I see someone who I respect and who has a really beautiful aesthetic and a beautiful feed and she's wearing something that's cute, I'm going to tap on that picture and I'm going to look for the brand that's tagged and then I'm going to go to the website and I'm going to buy something. And I can't tell you the last time I opened up a magazine, saw an ad and ripped it out and then went to Sephora. So it is, it, it works. I think the, the thing that's just going to be interesting is to make sure, you know, that these um, influencers, I think, stay authentic to their audience. You know, we work with influencers over the years that in the beginning were very, you know, picky about what brands they work with. And now today, you know, they're, they're doing a teeth whitening and tomorrow they're doing something else. And so I think for brands, the challenge continues to be, you know, how to partner with influencers that are authentic to your audience that, you know, we all know now they're getting paid. It's not a secret. So that, but still choose to partner with brands that they believe in. Cause I think it's still a turn off to me if I'm following someone and it's just like, you know, add, 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 add. At some point you still want to see that original kind of native content. 100%. And I couldn't agree more that, you know, it, it, the secrets out, like you said, they're getting paid, but it's still about those specific influencers where like, you, you know, like I have my favorite bloggers where I'm like, I mean, I've, I've swiped up so many times and gone on Amazon so many times and purchased everything they recommend because I totally believe them. And also too, like some of the recommendations are amazing. So yeah. yeah, totally. Let me ask you to, you know, again, coming from a PR standpoint, you know, we're really seeing this turn in the digital space and with internet, with press and different forms of media. Where do you see, not only, let me ask you two questions. Where do you see social media going? And then where do you also see PR going? I think they're, they're, they're hundred percent connected. I can't answer one without not answering the other. And I think the, the best way is, you know, we look to the media landscape to inform us as an agency, how to continue to thrive and how to grow. And so 
you know, when we see, you know, last week, I think, or the week before, 17 is now just doing special issues and Cooking Light is folded and New York Mag's getting a paywall. When you, you, when you see all these changes, you have to be an idiot to not think about, oh my gosh, how is this going to affect our, our agency? Because people come to us to get their brands in the media. And as media, you know, as print dwindles and online grows and influencers grow, we have to adapt. And so I think that, you know, there was very little change in the industry and PR from the 90s to the early 2000s. Maybe you went from fax to email, but now it's just, it's completely different. And so for Covet, I still believe in the power of earned editorial. I think that no matter what happens in PR or in influencers, there's very few things that are more exciting um, than seeing, you know, a brand in the New York Times, a full, you know, a full page story in the Wall Street Journal, a cover story on Inc. I mean, I think that there's always going to be a place for that. And that's going to continue to be the lifeblood of what we do at Covet. But I think when it relates to how to stay relevant, I think, you know, we're just going to have to be continuing to embrace this world of influencers. And I think influencers are now your TV celebrities. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, it was like how to get a product in Jennifer Aniston's hand. And now it's fill in that blank with, you know, Lauren yeah. Everts or, or, or an influencer that is really on brand for a lot of our companies. And so I think that the, the short answer is we have to just stay on our toes. We have to continue to innovate. We have to continue to grow with the times. We have to adapt. We have to not lose sight of what makes for a good story. We have to keep those relationships strong. Um, you know, many editors that I worked with over the years at Vogue and Harper's at W, you know, they left their posts and now they're influencers. And now I still send them products, but I don't send them products and hope that they're going to write about it on, you know, on WMag.com. I send them products and hope they're going to post to it and share with their 100,000 followers. So it's a different way of looking at what brand awareness is, but the same tenants haven't changed. You still need to be smart. You still need to know who to pitch and how to pitch. You still need to talk about a project um, intelligently, but you just have to know your audience a little better than I think you ever have had to before. That's so amazing. And I love that you're kind of explaining this whole change. And I feel like from, you know, kind of our audience or, you know, consumers that maybe aren't in the PR world as heavy as you are, you know, kind of explaining these different changes, it's, it's kind of like mind boggling. Like the fact that like, like you said, like there's a print versus online now and things are really, really kind of shifting. And it's, it is so interesting with the influencer movement. Um, And one thing too, I wanted to like spotlight was the fact that you guys bring in influencers into Covet and do like a team meeting with them, right? Or like you like host them. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we do, they're called influencer spotlights. And, you know, there's not many bad things about living in San Diego, but one thing um, that sometimes can be a little more challenging than, say, if you're, you're headquartered in LA, is that you're not, you know, in this it, where you walk out the door and there's a zillion influencers. And so, that was one of the reasons we opened up our New York City office this year was, you know, one, I always wanted to get back to New York, but two, just to have my team be in the media capital of the world. So they can take these editors out to dinner and pick their brains in real time and bring them to the office. And so we try to adopt that model of what every firm does in New York and what I think 
made me very successful is being able to capitalize on that and, and bring that into our San Diego office. And so once a month, we'll have an influencer come. They'll spend a few hours with us. And it's really just a two-way street where we can pick each other's brains. So we'll ask an influencer, you know, how do you choose the brands you work with? What's the biggest pet peeve of pitches you get from PR firms? And what I find actually really fascinating is they ask us, you know, it's they're, they're just as curious about how to work with PR firms and brands as we are with influencers. And granted, you know, both parties do it every day, but I think there's a real, you know, inherent value in going straight to the source. So we've had amazing people come to the office. It's been a big hit with our staff. Um, I'm a big proponent with kind of learning on the go and, and taking advantage of as much information as you can. So we'll continue to do it. So any influencers out there that like health and wellness products, get in touch because we'd love to come host you. Oh my gosh, you're going to get a tidal wave now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And I love that you guys, it's so funny. I just got back from uh, the Revolve week in Soho and I'm just, I'm in love with New York. I mean, I've done like the touristy stuff, but when you get kind of like down deep into it, especially like in the fashion district and all that fun stuff, man, it is, it is totally a place to be. So congrats on the new firm. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. There's an energy in New York that is just palpable. And I remember moving back to San Diego and, you know, I'd gone to college there, but, and I love it. And, and, you know, now I'm, you know, a married mom. And so it's a much better life for me, but, but there is something about New York and the energy and the culture and, you know, you turn a corner and you're always, you know, inspired by trends. And so it's been amazing having a team, having a team out there that's continuing to grow um, and and feel that energy. We just hosted them. We had all of our teams, our San Francisco team and New York team come to the office last week. And it was just so great being together and, and hearing from them, the things they're loving and seeing. Uh, but yeah, there's, there is no place like New York. I, I know I some, was Frank Sinatra, someone said it, but there is. A <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. It was actually funny. Me and my friend were singing that when we came home one night from the bars and it was great. It's I love true. that song. It's, true. <laughs> it's awesome. So tell us a little bit, you know, okay. So you have a firm in New York, you have a team mm-hmm. in San Francisco, you clearly have your firm down here in San Diego as well. Tell us about, you know, what ways that you feel like Covet is influencing the community or giving back. It's, it's extremely important to me that I think a lot of people see PR as this kind of like foo-foo, glamorous job. And there's a perception that it's just like a, <clears throat> a job, like cute girls go to after college to party. And it is anything but that. I mean, there's certainly a glamorous side, but like I said earlier, we really want to change the world to make the world a better place. And so I think we're doing that daily by working with the brands we do and getting, you know, their 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 charities out there and their missions out there and, and, and connecting consumers to brands in that way. But in a very more real sense, we also as an agency like to help. So we have something called the Mind, Body, Spirits program, which is where we, you know, ditch the office for a day and we go out in the community and we do everything from, you know, volunteering at a soup kitchen to working with animals to going to and learning how to organic farm to the more fun things like going to cooking classes and whatnot. But I think, you know, to your earlier question, connecting with your community is so important. And, you know, there's a great phrase that says it's, it's PR, not ER. And it's oftentimes hard to remember that on the days it's stressful. But at the end of the day, we have such a wonderful job. We're so lucky to do what we do. So it's, it's important to me to slow down, take a, take, take a deep breath and reconnect to your community and reconnect to people that maybe are less fortunate than you. So we try to do that as much as we can. 
That's so amazing. I love that you literally have a program for that within Covet. I mean, I think that's so awesome. And I'm sure your staff really probably enjoys it as well. That's, uh, you know, getting out in San Diego and doing those things. I think that's, that's something that we, especially too, we really want to tap into, you know, I mean, dealing with social media or dealing with PR, you get so wrapped up in it. You get so kind of in your own head sometimes that it's, it's, it's important. It's important for, you know, your to clear, you to have mental clarity and to go out and kind of realize, you know, how abundant your life is. So I love that. I think that's a hundred percent. Yeah. So if you could give, you know, like your best influential tip to the audience, whether that's in business or brand development or products or social media, what would it be? I mean, I think the best tip I got in general, um, uh, gosh, I've gotten a few, I think, one, um, and it's so overdone, but it's stay authentic. I think if you follow your heart, if you don't give in, if you have an idea and you know it has worth and you know it has value, um, and you do some testing to make sure it does beyond just your circle of friends, I think persistence is the most important thing. I just got done reading a great book called Grit, um, and kind of the ethos of it is, you know, intelligence is important, but there's nothing that grit can't overcome. And so, I think making sure that you have drive and you don't give up um, is, is incredible. And I think that comes through in everything you do. It comes through in how you talk about your product. It comes through in how you market it on social media. Um, and it's hard to fake it. I think brands can fake it to a certain point. But at the end of the day, you really have to be real to have lasting power. Absolutely. I love that you talk about grit. I have this like saying that I literally hang up in my office and it's, um, nevertheless, she persisted. And I feel like that's like totally something that we try to follow here too. It's just, it is, it's that persistence. It's that never giving up. It's never losing sight of like the dream and the goal. And it's so true. I, I, I look at, you know, my amazing team. And I think that the one thing that I look for, people always say, what do you look for when you hire? What do you look for when you promote? And we have six core values at Covet. But two more or less say the same thing. And I realize that and it's kind of on purpose, but but it gets to the heart, which is the spirit of a hustler. Um, and I think that there's nothing that hustle can't overcome. If you want something and it's not working and you don't give up and you figure out how to retool it, or you come to a meeting over prepared and maybe you're a little nervous, but you bring confidence and you speak like you know exactly what you're saying, you know, those are the things that people can't deny. And, and it's that genesis qua that people just want to be around. And I think having that insatiable drive is just such a game changer. Um, and I would hire for that over intelligence day in and day out. I, I love that. And a hundred percent, hundred percent, the spirit of a hustler. I think that is so amazing. And I think you're, I think you're straight, I think you're straight on. I, I tell my girls, I was like, if you can get up in front of anybody and talk with them and have an actual conversation with them, I was like, you will win anyone over. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I think, you know, when COVID grew, we had just a few people, which meant, you know, we had to do everything. So I was, I was the receptionist to the admin, to the strategy, to the deal closer. And I taught, you know, my first few employees that, and, and they're, you know, doing incredible things right now. And I think when you don't have the benefit of maybe, you know, a huge income, so you can hire a million people, or when you don't have the benefit of a huge team, when you're pitching a, a, a giant client, that's at a, you know, a huge agency that's thinking about leaving, you've got to fake it till you make it. And part of that is just showing up um, and bringing it. And, and I think that that's something that people just are attracted to and they want to be around. 
I love that. Showing up and bringing it. Amen. Okay. So we're going to move into some rapid fire questions, just some fun kind of, they're almost like icebreakers, but I like to do them at the end because I want to always hear everyone's story. I want to hear business. I want to hear everything about it. So we're going to go ahead and dive on into these and we're going to start with your favorite go-to cocktail. I would say Tito's soda with a splash of lemon. Yum. I love that. I love it. Like I love a good vodka soda, vodka water. I'm a big fan of vodka. Oh, vodka, you are brave. I, I, <laughs> when, I say, when I say vodka soda, splash of lemon, it's probably more like half lemon juice and splash of vodka, but <laughs> go for it, girl. Uh, you know what's funny is I actually got it from Desi Perkins and she was oh, like, really? Every, yeah, everyone's like, what, how do you like maintain like your body and like you're always going cocktail hours and you're always drinking. And she's like, yeah. I do a vodka water. She's like, and I honestly, it hydrates me. And she's like, and I never <laughs> have a hangover and keeps my skin hydrated. And I was like, okay. And I tried it. Amazing. Okay. I'll got to try it. I got to, <laughs> I got to just maybe put a little more water in there. It's rough. Let's, let's be frank. It's rough. <laughs> um, okay, cool. What is your favorite Instagram to stalk? Oh, okay. I'm going to not do the PR thing and mention, uh, with any of our clients, they all have amazing Instagrams. Um, but I would say one, I, one I love right now a lot is creating cultivate. I think they provide so much value to women by sharing tips and tricks across all industries. Um, they speak a lot about health and wellness and consumer trends. They post jobs, they have amazing takeovers. Um, and I think it's just a really great resource for, you know, women in this industry. Man, they're killing it too. Her brand, yeah, they are everything. She's yeah. just, and have you listened to work party yet? Oh yeah. I love it. Oh, so good. I was yeah, like, she had the, yeah, she had this attorney on there and like, she was just walking through the basics of like starting your own LLC. And I was like, wow, like I, no one even like talked to me about that when I had to go. Oh yeah. I, I remember being like halfway through the year, my first year and being like, do I have an EIN number? Like, <laughs> you know, you, you don't start PR because you're great at building businesses. And so it's great to have those little hacks from all these amazing podcasts out there now. Absolutely. Okay. And then what about a favorite reality TV show? Oh my gosh. Well, I would probably say at this point, 90 day fiance, which is, which is just atrocious, but also so entertaining. Um, it's, I don't even know what season I'm on. I, I'm not a big TV person. I try to read when I have downtime, but that's one of the shows I can put on and kind of just mindlessly have in the background. It's, it's great, but so bad at the same time. I know. I love it. I'm still a Jersey Shore fan. I oh my love gosh. it. <laughs> Oh, I, I heard they brought it back. I never watched the rebooted season, but I loved it back in the day. Yeah, it's still pretty good. I mean, like the first episode, I feel like was a little uncomfortable because they're all like way older and I feel like they did it. Well, and they just didn't know how to like interact with each other. They were just yeah. kind of like, well, do we go get wasted? Like, how does this work again? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, and, and having worked in reality TV, I think one of the the beautiful things, if you, if I can use that word in Jersey Shore in the same sentence, but I think one of the really nice things is that I think it was all real back then. It was, it was, it was not very orchestrated. And I think now so many TV shows that are reality, you know, everyone knows they're scripted. But when you look back to the reality shows back in the day, you know, The Simple Life, which was scripted to an extent, or even A Survivor, I think, you know, people yeah. were really driven because it seemed real. And probably part of the downfall of the reboot is it's probably a little more uh, forced. 
I, I think you nailed it. Oh my gosh, the simple life. I haven't heard someone talk about that <laughs> <show> forever. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So what about, do you have like a self-love or wellness practice or like a morning routine? Do you have any yeah. practice like that? So, you know, I'm a big podcast listener and so many of the podcasts that I listen to and so many of the books I read talk about the importance of a morning routine, you know, set your day, set your intentions. And I would be a total liar if I said I have the same one every day. I have, I have aspirations. And so if I can, um, I love to start my day by, by not doing something that I used to do all the time, which is not starting by checking email or Instagram. I think, you know, it can set your day off on a really good note, but sometimes on a bad note. And so I try to make that first hour to two hours just with my family and I. So my daughter and my husband. So we'll wake up, we'll have coffee, we'll have breakfast, and we'll just kind of play. Um, and then I'll go into the work, the work kind of doom sometimes. <laughs> uh, but I, I think for me, it's that simple thing of just not being into technology from the from you know six a.m. and just having a time to reconnect. And I find that that sets a really good day for myself. I love that. And a hundred percent. I feel like sometimes we get into that comparison mindset when we, the first thing we do is like, look at social media and we feel like everyone else has like their day together or there's different yeah. things happening or different events. And it's like, it, it I, I'm the hundred percent the same way. I, I have to really try to disconnect myself, especially in the mornings. I don't know why that's like always like a go-to in the morning. I know it's so hard. And I just got, um, my, my wonderful husband just got me an Apple watch for anniversary and it has this thing now where it talks about your screen time. Uh, maybe yeah. they did before, but, and so, you know, it can be depressing when it's like you had, you know, eight hours of screen time. It's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is sad. So I think just being more cognizant of trying to have real life connections and not always be on your phone is something we all need to work on. 100%. So what about, you mentioned some podcasts. What are some podcasts that you love? Yeah, gosh. So I, I try to um, do more kind of business entrepreneurial related podcasts. Um, I'm, I try to be a big multitasker. And so these to me are just amazing. So I love the Forbes 30 under 30 podcast. Um, that just is great. It's always inspirational, especially now that I'm in, in my mid thirties to hear what people, you know, younger than me are accomplishing. Um, I love Tim Ferriss's podcast. Um, Gary V, I drink the Kool-Aid. I always listen and I'm like, oh my God, I should be doing more. Um, but you know, the energy he has and his, you know, talk about grit and just go, go, go. Um, I love that. Joe Rogan has a great podcast. Um, I love Goop's podcast. So most I would say are entrepreneurial focused, but I certainly love some of the, you know, I love my bitches podcast. So I throw in a few <laughs> kind of work on lifestyle ones in there as well. Oh my gosh. I know the betches one is so good. I, I know even Joe Rogan. Sometimes I feel like I got to be like in a Joe Rogan mood. Yeah, It's a lot. It's a it, lot. I it mean, is. It's, I mean, but I mean, who would have thought this guy would have a, such a successful podcast? I mean, I think back to like the fear factor days. And I mean, now he's <sighs> we have clients that are just dying to go on that podcast and the wait list is crazy. So kudos to him for building an incredible brand. Yeah, for sure. And it just, it is, it's, it's actually really interesting to act when you hear him really kind of tap into like his intellectual side and hear yeah. him get all deep. It's really interesting. So for I love sure. those are good ones. Really good ones. <laughs> okay. And our final question um, for you today, Miss Sarah is yeah. what does influencer mean to you? What does the term mean? And what is your own definition of it? You know, I think in a basic, in a basic way, um, it means, you know, starting trends or increasing brand awareness. I think when I look to the word of covet, 
it was so hard to find a name for what to call my agency. And ultimately, I came to Covet because I thought, if I do a good enough job with the brands, I'm going to make people want it so bad that they covet it, that they need to have it. And I think the influencers that are doing it really well are doing exactly that, you know, whether it's, um, you know, their fashion influencers or their wellness influencers, they connect with their audience in such a way that, you know, you want to buy what they're selling, even if they're actually not, you know, selling a physical thing. So I think it's, I think it's the ability to convince someone to bring them into your circle um, and to just make them want to be part of whatever you're doing. So whether that's coveting something or influencing something, I think more or less you're talking about the same thing. I love that. And you do have a kick-ass name for the agency. I feel like that's <laughs> such a perfect name for a PR agency. Oh man, thank you. I we my husband and I, who is such a you know, a big inspiration in helping me go do this. I remember trying to figure out the name and we would go to harbors and look at the names of boats and go to restaurants and look at the name of menu items. And then one day it just came to us. But yeah, I think, I think if you can get people to want it so bad that they don't know what they're going to do unless they have it, you've done a good job. That's amazing. Well, Sarah, you've been an absolute joy and I'm just so thankful for you sharing your story and really kind of unpacking Covet and unpacking your own drive and your own passion. And I just want to say thank you for going under the influence with us. And it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, well, thank you, Whitney. And I, I don't know if this made it on in the beginning, but I have to say probably the best podcast name out there. So kudos to you and kudos to your listeners. Um, and thanks for having me. It was so fun. I feel like we could have talked for hours. Oh, 100%. We'll have to go out and get coffee after this. It'll uh, be great. Uh, or maybe a vodka <laughs> <of> water. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Whitney.